0: Welcome to Dr. M's Women and Children First Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. M. And today we have a special guest. We have a chef, a culinary specialist. So we're going a little bit out of the normal range of guests that we have that are generally talking deep science and everything related to women and children's health. And we're going to shift gears and walk into the world of the culinary arts. And we're going to do that with my good friend, uh, the corporate executive chef at Forever Oceans, And the former Director of Culinary Nutrition at Dole Food Companies, as well as the former Dean of Culinary Arts Education at Johnson & Wales University. And that bio is for Chef Mark William Allison. So he is a highly accomplished culinary artist, is what he is known for, right? And in the world of cooking these days, it is an art form, as we've all known for a long time. But the new title for great chefs like Chef Mark is culinary artistry. And... I've known Mark for quite a while and he is highly passionate about the nutritional side of food, which is one of the reasons that I super, was super excited to have him on the show because the average chef that you see in TV or related to uh, cooking demonstrations are all about taste and very little about the quality of how the food treats your body. And Chef Mark takes a very different look. He has a deep passion for cooking, like many other chefs, but what he has that's very different, as far as I'm concerned, is he has an unbelievable passion for how your body responds to the food, what are the nutrients involved, and how does that then lead to your health? He has an unwavering commitment to food excellence, and in particular, he cares about is the food locally sourced? Do we have Seasonal ingredients are we cooking according to the way humans did for millions of years. He is a big fan of supporting initiatives that minimize food waste and are protective of the environment. In his work in his new company, Forever Oceans, he's looking at ways to produce sustainable, high-quality food for the world. Right. And this is what part of this company and he's the executive chef for this company. So he's looking at what they're doing, particularly in this captivating industry that is providing great food for humans in the in the form of a fish. And how do we make sure we're doing this in a sustainable and healthy way? He, to me, is emblematic of what we as a society would like to see more often. Real food, whole food high-quality food produced in a way that is palatable, that we all love and are willing to eat, and then leads us down a road to health. He also happens to be a author. He's written two books, one of them called Three Boys and a Chef, and then he's got another one called Let's Get Smart About Diabetes. These are two things that we get into in this conversation because for me, understanding what it takes to be a chef for somebody who has diabetes is an incredibly practical way about understanding how we all should eat. So let's get busy talking all things food with Mark Allison. Well, Mark Allison, it's a pleasure to see you. Uh, It's been a little bit since the last time I laid eyes on you. You look fabulous. Uh, Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be at least four years since the last yeah. time we had coffee and had a chat. So it's, it's good seeing you. You look very well, and I'm happy a, to be here. Thank you for the invite.
0: Oh, my pleasure. It's been a bit, but it's always a pleasure to see you. It feels like yesterday that we talked, and uh, you know, time does travel. But you and I, we we hit it off great, and I love speaking to you. So let's let's dive into the world that you see on a day to day basis in in the in the chef slash nutrition slash business slash all the other slashes that you have to your acumen of ability you entered this this world as a young boy and over the years you decided to become who you are today what drove you to be who you are and I want to really I want you to really hone in for the guests to understand why you looked at chef work or the aspects of nutrition from the palatability side through a different
1: lens as well okay Uh, a bit of a long story Chris but uh, I left school in 1980 so it's a long time ago now um And like my boys said, my boy, I've got three boys, and my boys keep saying, "Well, it was easy for you, Dad. You knew what you wanted to do." And and I say, it, "Well, it wasn't exactly easy. I just knew what I didn't want to do." And <laughs> when I left school, uh, I had four choices: I could either go and work in the shipyard and build ships, I could either go down to coal mine and dig for coal, or um what was the other one? Work in a factory um, and. And and just put parts together, you know? So I I was in a very fortunate position that my mother was a great cook and my father who worked in a factory said, never work in a factory, son. Do whatever you can, but don't work in a factory. He was a very keen gardener. So this is going back to the 70s and the 80s where food was limited, especially in the UK. So I would help him do the gardening and then I would also help my mother on a weekend cook the food. And that's when I found a love for food and I thought... At the age of 16, when I left school, then let's give this food trip a a go and see if I can become a chef. And that's exactly what I did. And uh, like I just said, before we start recording the show, for the last 44 years, I've never worked a day in my life because I love what I do. And um, I, I was trained classically in French cuisine. So there was a lot of salt, a lot of sugar, a lot of butter. And that's the sort of food I loved. Uh, But I was on a teacher exchange program in 1998 in Alaska for one year. And my youngest son at the time, Matthew, he became a type 1 diabetic. And I knew we had to change his eating habits if we wanted him to be strong and healthy. And uh, that's when I started looking into the power of food or food as medicine. And I could back greatly on the likes of uh, cream and sugar and fat and started looking at whole foods and what I like to call one-ingredient foods. And that's basically the the repertoire I work from now is an apple is an apple. There's no additives, preservatives, colorants in it. Uh, Grass-fed beef is basically just beef. Um, Free range chicken without antibiotics. So I look at a whole host of one-ingredient foods and with being a chef, I put them ingredients together and hopefully make healthy meals. And then back in 2008, uh, my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So there was no treatment for her cancer. Uh, she had a, um, a rare blood disease, which happened to deposit in her liver. So she had 16 tumors when it was actually diagnosed. And they give her basically three years to live. And again, we looked into the power of food and I basically put her more on a plant-based uh, diet She still ate meats and proteins, but mainly 80% of her diet was plant-based. And she survived eight years before she passed away in 2015. Um, So my whole focus has really been about what you eat can help you uh, improve your lifestyle and make you healthier. I'm not saying it's going to extend your lifespan, because I think when your time is up, your time is up. But I do think that if you eat right and you exercise and you get outside and have some sunlight, then you're going to be far healthier than if you're just eating the standard American diet as it stands today. So that's basically why I do what I do now. Yeah,
0: and I think you hit on one word there, clearly lifespan. And the other one we talk about is health span. And yeah. so, live lifespan. That's just the time frame you're on this planet from the day you're born exactly. until the day you die. But there's a way you can live that life that is either healthy or unhealthy, and that's what the term is: health span. And clearly, in the United States, we've lived longer than we have for many, many years, but we're not living healthy at all. Actually, we're going the opposite direction. Most people are living unhealthy for a vast majority of that time frame. So like us in functional integrative medicine, where we see allopathic medicine from a different lens, i.e. through the lens you're seeing it, where food is medicine, herbs are medicine. There's many modalities on top of drugs. So we're not saying drugs don't have value. Exactly. How How did your world, when you collided for various reasons, your son first, and I'm sorry again for your wife second, how did you deal with the nature of the other chefs and other people you had interactions with looking at you going well why are you doing that why are you doing this you know you must be
1: crazy you're taking away the flavor you're taking away this what happened uh you know what and and, and chris that still happens to this day mm. uh, i was just at the culinary institute of america uh, last week doing a presentation for the company that i work with forever oceans and we we farm fish Uh, and that is a one ingredient food because there's no additives, preservatives in that fish and we don't use prebiotics. But the the whole presentation was on about healthy eating and the number of chefs that came up to me who are my age, and I'm 59, in the next six months I'll be 60, uh, and I would just look at them and they would make a comment about why I eat this way and why I live the lifestyle that I live. And I would make the comment, well, I'm nearly 60, but I feel like I'm 35. I feel right. great. Right. How do you feel? And I'd get the same comments from each chef that were roughly my age that they might be 30, 40, 50 pound overweight for one. And yeah. they might have bad knees or they might have bad shoulders or typically they've got a bad back. And it's not until up out of bed and they've had that morning cup of coffee that they can actually get on with the day. Yeah. I still roll out of bed at 6 o'clock every morning, and I feel great. I'm full of energy, and I just want to get on with life. And um, and even to this day, it's still trying to convince even chefs that the food that you cook can actually make you feel good and make you feel healthy. Stop ripping open these packaged containers that have been processed that are just packed full of colorants or preservatives or additives. They're there for the shelf life. But they actually don't enhance the quality of the food. So I'm, I, I'm constantly not battling, but having a discussion why, if you eat whole natural foods, you'll feel better. Yeah.
0: So you're spot on, 100%. You've ne- not been wrong in one single thing you said in my mind as I've watched the world of medicine come to grips with the realities of dysfunction in human health via, via primarily food, since we eat more food than we probably do anything else to our bodies other than inhale air. So it's probably the number one way we toxify ourselves if we're getting poor quality food. And you've nailed the, you know, you took the hammer and hit it on the nail that this is one of the ways we're becoming dishealthy. Right. Yeah. So when you started and clearly classically trained, you're in the, the beauty of the French uh, cuisine world. You're seeing the lovely butters and all the things that are used that make things taste phenomenal. And you start to alter or you start to shift. What was it like trying to change the, the, the recipe or make up your own with different, uh, different sources of nutrients to make it taste as good, but also healthy?
1: Yeah, uh, well, there's, there's a ton of ingredients that are out there that you just need to uh, change. Instead of using butter, you can use olive oil or avocado oil. Uh, instead of using so much salt, use herbs to add more flavor. Uh, and then cutting back on um, not-so-healthy carbohydrates, you know. Uh, and even if you're making fresh pasta these days, you can I, actually buy nut flours or bean flours Uh, to reduce that gluten intake. Uh, So there's a lot of uh, really good products out there today that are basically a one ingredient product that you can uh, incorporate into your diet. My diet is usually around about 80% one ingredients, and then the rest might be a 20% uh, selection of uh, ingredients that are less than five ingredients in them, such as pasta or bread. So I'm looking at a local uh, baker who will produce bread where there's basically four ingredients. So you're not actually adding something that's gonna la- make that bread last a week or two weeks. It's gonna be stale within the next two days. And to me, anything that you can reduce that lifespan of that product is gonna be a healthier version for you. So I think this it's just a matter of looking on the, uh, at the market and seeing what's around. And with being a chef, you know, I'm always interested in new ingredients and uh, new ideas. So I'm always incorporating something new into my cuisine.
0: Yeah, and I and I know your cuisine well. Your cookbooks, UX, you actually have um, a website that's fabulous that you've allowed me great, great. I'm grateful for to use your recipes all the time in our newsletter, and so you've gone out and you've tackled this world of quality taste without sparing quality of food, with also increasing the health span of the human by giving all those nutrients. And so you also write, which I love again. Kudos to you when you do recipes, you put in there the why. Right. So you don't just put down the ingredients and the directions you put in a forward that says, here's why we're eating this. This is uh, sometimes you have stories, which I love, you know, something you ate as a kid or this is what my mom, (laughs) uh, you know, you may not find those interesting. I love them. So I encourage you to keep doing them because it gives that it gives that cultural beauty to it as well. But then you state here's the ingredients that are in there and here are the nourishing parts of it. What
1: made you start doing that? I just think, uh, Chris. Uh, to me, and you just stated just before we came on this that uh, you love teaching, and and I think the number one thing in the world is education because you don't know what you know until you learn it. Yeah. And to me, okay, you can put a beautifully created dish in front of somebody and tell them that it's healthy, or just say, by the way, this is a healthy. Uh, recipe i've just made for you but then if you can break that recipe down and say this is why i've added these certain ingredients because you're going to get vitamin c out of this or you're going to get uh more protein out of this or a good quality fat out of this then i think people appreciate that more because then they can realize they can look and see the visual aspect but then they hear hearing why it's so good and then when eventually they put that food in the mouth they think wow that tastes amazing there's got to be something to this because that food tastes great. But also when you add all of them parts together and you realize why you've put these ingredients together, because you're getting the full nutrition of the, the full uh, good quality proteins, carbohydrates and fats, as well as the vitamin and minerals, then you're going to really appreciate that meal. Yeah. And it's like anything. It's like that. I keep telling people that they'll tell me I haven't got the time to do this. And I'll say, well, I've got 24 hours just the same as you. And I've got three boys and a family and a full-time job. But I think you've got to just start small, baby steps, take one day a week when you think, let's just try a new recipe and see what it tastes like. And to me, there's no better feeling in the world than getting in the kitchen with your wife or your, your loved one and working together on a meal and also incorporating the kids. Like my kids are a lot older now, but we used to always get in the kitchen and it was a a family event that they will be peeling the carrots or the potatoes or helping make the pasta. And then they really enjoyed that meal after that because they could see what part they played in that finished dish. Yeah.
0: Pediatrician's dream. Yeah. tastes good, but also incorporating the family. They're not in front of screens. They're learning a new skill that's life life saving for for many reasons. And the key there again, I think, is you make it you make it taste great, right? So yeah, the big knock on on healthy food has always been it's expensive. And I know you've looked at this at nauseum over the yeah. years. What is your comment about cost when it comes to quality food? And I have my biases, but I don't want to interject mine
1: until, <laughs> I've heard, until I've heard yours. I know I normally get this quite often when I do a healthy eating presentation. And I usually uh, counter that by saying the only time I find healthy ingredients expensive is when you buy them and then you put them in the refrigerator and then seven to ten days later, you open that refrigerator and realize they're still there and you throw them in the trash can. And to me, that is the only time they become expensive. And then I also look at the fact that long term, the healthier you are, the less medical experience you will have in the future. Because we all know that the most expensive time for anybody is usually the last five to 10 years of their life. I wanna still be active and doing fun things and being able to do fun things. When I get into my seventies or my eighties, I don't really wanna be relying on anybody and I don't really wanna be taking that much medication. So I'm looking long term. If I am paying a little bit more upfront now, then hopefully the back end will not be as expensive, and hopefully I'll feel better for it. Yeah, and you're hundred percent right. The problem is our culture doesn't agree
0: with you. Um, exactly, I a thousand percent believe that if the federal government would listen to you and start subsidizing the quality foods that are one single, you know, macro type, right? So one ingredient, yeah. an apple, whatever. Yeah. We would have. reduction in most diseases. COVID proved that probably better than anything. An unregulated experiment that showed that food is driving most disease and NPR is the only time there was one article published in three years. Massive insanity. That being true, you're 100% right. So let's say for sake of argument that people are not willing to put their full budget into a preparatory event for the last six months of their life. Don't care. They're going to drink, do whatever. But you say, hey, you know what? I still can help you eat healthy for a lower budget. Is it the the proteins that are the most expensive part that drive the problem? Is it the fact that people are using the wrong ingredients? What is it that really drives up the price of the food? Cuz I know inflation's driven stuff up too, but there's something else going on with that.
1: I'll tell you what, we we were just discussing this. Uh my weekly food bill would uh about a year ago or 18 months ago was around about uh, 120 a week, and now it's well over $200, and I'm buying basically exactly the same food items. So there's there's definitely uh, a supply chain issue. Um, But what I'd also add, Chris, is the fact that what I really think is missing in society today is the fact that nobody knows how to cook. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not learning from the parents, and they're not learning at school. And to me, like we said before, and you said just before we came on, it is a life skill. We need to know how to cook. And I think if you do know how to cook, then you know what ingredients to choose that are healthy for you. You know, you walk into a store and the first aisle you come to is the fresh produce. And there's literally hundreds of different fruits and vegetables there. And I can guarantee you that most people will buy the same fruit and veg every time they go in that store even though there's hundreds of varieties to choose from. And I think it's just through the lack of knowledge of how to prepare and cook those ingredients that people don't even try them. And then sometimes the same sort of ingredients are the most expensive ones, like red peppers. They're normally around about $4 to $5 uh, a pound these days, where you might find a different alternative, which is a lot cheaper, and it's cheaper because nobody buys it. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about...
0: You know exactly expanding the brain capacity to be able to choose what's on sale yeah then make meals around the cheaper variants and again i think meat's one of the things we can cut way back on to save some money but what about the difference between like maybe even dried beans versus
1: canned beans or frozen
0: frozen versus not frozen
1: you know and sometimes frozen and in fact i would Say that frozen uh, vegetables are more healthier than fresh vegetables because they're yeah. usually picked and flash frozen at the site, right. you know. And you'll probably find frozen vegetables to be cheaper than actually fresh vegetables. But I'll tell you one thing: I, I shop every every Saturday morning. I shop, and every time I go through the uh, register, I have saved probably between anything from fifty to eighty dollars, and that's because I uh, hunt for value. And with yeah. being a chef. I can walk through the store and say, oh, right, I'm going to buy this because I can make this out of that at a cheaper price. Right. And every time I get to the uh, checkout, the woman says, wow, you've saved at least $50. And I used to count that by saying, well, I'm a chef, so I, I, I really know what I'm choosing. And I've already planned the week what I'm going to make. And this just happened to be on sale. So that's now going to be on a Wednesday night as opposed to what I was going to make because it's a cheaper version.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you this, I eat a lot of food. It's just something about my metabolism. I'm not normal. And so my wife, <laughs> my wife, my wife and I cook a lot on Sundays and she meal preps more than I do because she's a significantly yeah. better cook chef than I am. I mean, so it's probably a one tenth value of taste. So if I let her cook, I'm getting a 10x improvement. So I tend to, <laughs> I tend to let her go if necessary. But that being said, when I do cook, it's a lot. And then I just freeze it.
1: And so it's yeah, another exactly. Option. Leftovers are great. I love leftovers because you, you, you know, leftovers normally can be turned into a soup or something else nutritious just by adding one or two ingredients or less expensive. Yesterday, yeah. I love Sundays because I have the three boys around for dinner and I made cottage pie. So it was ground uh, beef, but I used a pound of ground beef, but I used about two pounds of vegetables. Yeah. I used leeks, carrots, parsnips, potatoes—everything you'd think of—peas to go in in with that mince, and then I made mashed potato piped it on the top, and it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And that was a cheap dish that fed five people. Right. You right. know, and so and it was full so, of nutrition. Exactly, and it's loaded with nutrition. And
0: there you go. Yeah. And so interesting enough, that was a classic meal of mid-victorian england and why was it because those are the things that were in the local environment oh by the way the life expectancy in somebody in mid-victorian england if you made it to age five was almost the same as us now yeah exactly
1: you know what chris i was in ireland touring this uh earlier this year and we went to the guinness brewery and the actual owner of the guinness brewery who founded the guinness brewery had 21 children wow but only eleven survived. Right, ten of them passed away before the age of five. Right, which is uh, unbelievable stats. Uh, but the eleven that actually lived developed the Guinness factory to, into what it is now. But it just shows you a hundred or so years ago that mortality rate was devastating. Now we are at a point where really it's when you get past the age of five. And you're living on a, uh, the American standard diet that you could actually be uh, caught in disease as you get older,
0: right.
1: because then eating habits that you're not being basically skilled in or trained in as a youngster, they go throughout your whole life. Right. You know, if you're choosing the, the, the wrong foods in your teens, more than likely you're going to be choosing the wrong foods when you get in your twenties, your thirties, your forties. And as we're both seeing, that age where it used to be—I believe—about men seventy-six and women seventy-eight—that's actually decreased since the pandemic. Right, right. And like you said, a lot of it's to do with food. Yeah,
0: it's 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 a tragedy that this is the reality of the richest country in the world, and actually probably the richest country in in the history of anything that we are aware of. Probably, you know, it's just unbelievable and unconscionable to some extent that this is what's happening to us, but to our earlier points, unfortunately, we don't have the willpower of the government nor the willpower of the people to make better decisions. And that's unfortunately what's happening.
1: I I, I totally agree with you, Chris, because I I love living in America. I've been here 20 years and I love this country. I I, I love the fact that we've got so much freedom, Uh, but we are living in a capitalist society. And if you're healthy, uh, there's no money to be made. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. People are only making money through pharmaceuticals or selling cheap food, fast food. Uh, that really, if you look at it, 85% of chronic disease, cancers, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, heart disease are, are food related. And until yeah. somebody actually looks at that and decides, you know what, we are a country for the people. We need yeah. to make sure that we are giving people better help. Right. And I agree, with you unfortunately with uh,
0: the economy being at the point now where it's going to be about one fifth of the economic intake gets spent on healthcare. That's not sustainable. We're almost at yeah. 20%. And I'm a part of the problem. And that problem is the medical industrial complex needs to get broken down into prevention first mentality instead of a treatment first mentality. And that's a problem. But people like you are doing the work to make that get better through all of the efforts over your lifetime. And I think that's fabulous. Let's talk about you, the experience you had around your son, your your youngest, when he was a year and a half old and getting diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, you then championed the ability to learn how to be the best father. And by being the best father, you became the best chef for cooking for somebody with in a problem of making Food that would not spike insulin and that or spike blood sugar. I mean that that would need insulin and that all the side effects of that. You wrote a book called "Let's Be Smart About Diabetes," a cookbook to help control blood sugar while getting the family back around the kitchen table. I love that title, by the way. Thank you. Tell me about what it was like knowing that you had this beautiful little one and a half year old that now had a disease that makes it very tricky when you're trying to cook all the beautiful foods you were cooking and
1: how did that <laughs> you know how did that change you I mean I know it did we sort of talked about it briefly but I know there was a lot going on there there, there was a lot going on because uh, I was on actually a teacher's exchange program at the time uh, and we were living in Alaska and uh, when uh, we first took Matthew to the doctor the doctor just thought he had flu and sent us home and it was about five days later and he still wasn't getting any better. And uh, We actually went back to see the doctor and the doctor said, oh, it's still flu, you'll be um, okay in the next week. And I said, well, actually my brother's a type one diabetic. And I mentioned this last week, could he not be a diabetic? And we were told no, at 14 months, he was far too young to be a type one diabetic because normally he would be seven plus years old. So we actually refused to leave her, her office until he was his blood was tested. And literally within 30 minutes, he was in intensive care. His mm. blood sugars were that high. And in fact, the doctor told us that if we had not have went in that day, he would have been in a coma that night. Uh, and he was in intensive care for the next seven days. And, and that really makes you think of how you're gonna look after your children after that. And yeah. uh, with me being a chef, it was okay, let's look at food as medicine and see what we can improve, see how we can actually control his blood sugars. And now uh, he's 25, he'll be 26 next month. And uh, his A1Cs are perfect all the time. Even his doctor can't believe how well he controls his uh, blood sugars. Uh, But the unfortunate side effect, not a side effect, but my youngest son, uh, James, uh, got COVID. Uh, During the pandemic and about six months later, he also became a type one diabetic and he's been a type one diabetic now for about 18 months. Uh, Luckily, with all the advances in type one diabetes uh, education and treatment, he's actually on the Omnipod and he controls his blood sugars really well. Uh, But getting back to the food aspect, it was, okay. let's cut out the processed foods that are full of sugar uh, and salt and then let's start making everything healthy. So even though the boys still like to eat fries, I still make fries, but I'll, I'll get the potatoes, I'll uh, spray them with a very little amount of olive oil and then put them in the oven to cook. So nothing is actually getting deep fried. So everything I will look at to what they've been eaten is basically a variation of what they like, uh, but normally without that sodium content or the sugar content or the high fat content. And luckily enough, both of my boys love to cook. So uh, they're now at a stage, James is 21 and Matthew is 26 next month. They both love to cook and they look at their dietary needs to this day now. I still cook five nights a week. uh, And when they're around, they love to eat what I've made or they'll help me in the kitchen. I, I, I think it's one of these things that, again, it comes back to education if you can install, instill that education in your children at a young age to enjoy all types of food, but also to actually get them to peel vegetables or fruits or help in the kitchen, then that goes a long way to them being more independent and looking after their own help. Right.
0: And again, it comes down to the fundamentals that you had to learn as you're measuring yeah. the children's blood sugar. You're watching the responses as ends of ones in each child, but it was always the common theme, right? So it's the, it's the refined carbohydrates and the simple sugars that get in the system and drive up the blood sugar, yeah. which leads to the insulin responses that are needed and they don't have the pancreas making it. So you have to then give it to them. And then you're yeah. constantly chasing your tail. So yeah. it's, it's a beautiful thing that you're able to figure that out. And again, the cookbook goes through this. So for all those folks listening right now, if you have family his, family members with diabetes, it's a must. But interesting enough, if you don't, it's still a must, because this is the way all of us control our blood sugar. Just because your pancreas doesn't work doesn't mean your pancreas isn't, I let me take that back. Just because your pancreas works fine doesn't mean it's not being overworked because exactly. you're consuming the wrong exactly. food. Exactly. So, yeah, your books are 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 important for everyone to understand. And again, I can't say it enough, right? So if you want to live healthy until the day you die, so lifespan again is likely moderately changed by things we do, but the health span is massively changed by the things we yeah. do. This is where you need to start looking in, in your world of help. hey go to the cookbooks, go to learn how to get to the kitchen yourself to eat, to change, to be, and then live healthier. And I'm with you. I'm 53, and I feel amazing. And I stopped eating gluten uh, when I was 40. I stopped eating dairy mostly many years ago. I've avoided processed foods for a long time and it seems like I'm getting at least from a feeling perspective i feel as good or better most days than i did when i was in my 30s which is fascinating Excellent. considering i was even in the business but nicole my wife being the nutritionist sort of beat me into submission so i'm in a good place <laughs> now
1: and sometimes chris that's what we need we need to be beaten into submission to know what's good for us, you know Amen, and we it... actually try it we realize you know what actually there's some truth in that
0: Amen. And, you know, I didn't learn it in medical school. I didn't learn it in residency, <laughs> so I had to learn it somewhere. All right.
1: Last couple of quick questions. I love all this stuff. What was your favorite meal growing up? Uh, you know, with being in England uh, and growing up as a child and my mother being a real, really good cook, uh, we were brought up on dinners. So Sunday used to be the best day of the week because we'd either have a roast, a roast piece of beef or roast like a lamb. Or roast chicken and then there was always something like uh, apple pie or blackberry pie and the apples came straight from the garden so did the blackberries and my mother would make the pastry uh, so that was always the fun day uh, and then be- when I became a-, a chef I traveled quite a lot through Europe so I love Spanish cuisine uh, just because it's so uh, fresh and seasonal and now I love Thai cuisine again because it's uh, fresh ingredients, and you're using a lot of spices and herbs. So again, I try to keep everything seasonal and everything fresh.
0: Excellent, second question. Tell me about Forever Ocean. So it's, uh, you're consulting with a company that is heavily involved in trying to produce high quality fish to feed the
1: world, right? Exactly, I, I actually, I'm the corporate executive chef and I have been with the company for three and a half years. I started as a consultant, then I got brought on full time. Uh, Forever Oceans is another one of these um, beliefs that I uh, give 100% of my time and effort to because we're doing aquaculture, fish farming the right way. We are basically the only company in the world that are 20 miles offshore in a depth of 1,000 feet. So apart from the net, uh, the fish are swimming in their own natural environment. We only produce one species at the minute, which is Kampachi. And it's got more omega-3 than wild-caught salmon. Um, and we don't use prebiotics. Uh, and everything is AI generated. We use satellites, drones, and um, robots to look after each one of the enclosures. So our carbon footprint is practically neutral. And our fish is a high protein. And it's probably the cleanest fish you could eat because one of the things you got to worry about wild caught fish now is microplastics Mm -hmm. and our fish does not contain any microplastics because we have a a security band around the entire field where we grow our fish. And we have locations in Panama, Indonesia, and uh, Brazil. And uh, the fish is just an amazing product and, and I class it as a one ingredient food. So when I was doing this presentation last week at the Culinary Institute of America, it was on about but about oceans, but also about healthy eating. And that just fitted so well into my vision of what is healthy by incorporating one ingredient foods into your diet, and especially fish. And when you think about it, Chris, there's thousands and thousands of species of fish out there, and yet we eat the same things week after week, which is mainly salmon (laughs) or tuna or halibut or cod, yet there is literally thousands of things out in the sea that are really good for you. I was just reading an article the other day, and it was they'd found a cave in Spain, and inside the cave was uh, literally millions of oyster shells, and this this cave was something like 20,000 years old, and the inhabitants must have basically been living off oysters, Hmm. and when you look at the nutritional uh, content of oysters, they're one of the most nutritional foods you could actually put in your body. Oh, yeah, they're good. They've got, they're loaded with
0: a lot of happy moments in there. Exactly. I love it. I love it. You know, I've said this for a while, despite our inability to make good choices often as individual humans, technology will help us get away from our own individual stupidity at times. And I yeah. think for what to, to, to what you're doing is brilliant. I love to hear these things. I love the fact that it's clean. I love the fact that it's high in omega threes. I love the fact that everything about it makes sense for all of humanity and the planet itself. So kudos to you guys for doing this and everyone look out for forever oceans. And final question, um, and I'll let you sort of give a little plug for your website and stuff because I love it. But if I could give you a golden ticket and I ask this to every guest, you could take that ticket and you get to hand it into the United States government as a senator, as a Senate to make an adjudicated decision or as a president and whatever you hand in, they have to do it while you're thinking. I'll tell you mine. I always tell every guest I would change school food. Every single school in the country would have to have a kitchen and a chef and real food that is whole food based. That would be my decision and I would push that through and I would like to do it yesterday, but I have yet to be asked and uh, yet to be
1: given a golden ticket. What would you ask for? I would uh, say exactly the same thing uh, with the added bonus that every child from kindergarten all the way through to graduating at college learned how to cook yeah because I, I, I believe it is the most one of the most important skills you could ever learn. And you, I think you said it before Chris, uh, we we'll all need to breathe air yeah. and, and and when you look at it and, and I usually end up with presentation by saying life is actually pretty simple. We all need to breathe air. we all need to drink water, we all need to eat food and it should be good quality food, and we we'll all need to exercise. And, and if you that... put them four things in place, it, life is pretty simple. We and have I... a tendency to overcomplicate things. Totally true. And on that note, on a
0: political spectrum, have you ever heard a single person say, I don't want clean air, clean water, and clean food, yet we're not fighting for the three most important things that we need as a society? Unbelievable. Exactly. It's
1: crazy. It is absolutely crazy the situation we're in at this day, this moment in time madness and it's it's so simple i know know, like everybody on the planet
0: could lead a healthier life it is insanely that simple and silly that it's not well (laughs) i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you the last last couple things to say but before you go um your books three boys and a chef simple delicious nutritious family cooking made easy that was, I think your first one, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And then Let's Be Smart About Diabetes, a cookbook to help control blood sugar while getting the family back around the kitchen table. And I know the recipes are great because I've made many of them. I also know they're great because I get a lot of feedback from my newsletter guests and they're always telling me to keep them coming. I actually asked, two times the last 12 years. Should I keep recipes? And they always say yes. And they often reference you. So I will, I will throw a plug out for that. And Excellent. I think your webs your website is chefmarkallison.com.
1: That's correct. Yeah. And, and there's literally about 400 healthy eating recipes on that uh, website. Yeah. Not anybody can, and it's all free. Yep. The, you know, obviously you'd have to pay for the books, but uh, on the website, it's all free.
0: Yeah, well, on Amazon they're not they're not expensive and they're worth every yeah. every penny
1: as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere else you want people to follow you?
0: Any other social they, media They stuff? can follow
1: me on uh, uh, LinkedIn or they can follow me on Instagram, and it's basically Chef Mark Allison. And um, I I post something every day, and it's usually to do something with healthy cooking or tips. Yeah. And I, you know, that to me would be
0: where I'd go then. Instagram. I don't do social media personally, so that's the reason I didn't know. But if I did do an Instagram, that would be what I'd want to see because I'd love to see how to do. I'm lucky. I have a chef at Mark Allison in my house, my <laughs> wife. Um, not comparing her to you, just saying I have my own version of what I would do if I was gonna do it. So I am blessed in that way. Any last words, Mark, I'm going to give you the last, last words on most. Chris, things. it's
1: as always it's been a pleasure. I don't see enough of you. Uh, and, and and we hit it off uh, for the first time we met over coffee and we've got the same values. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's nice to have a conversation with somebody with the same values. And I, and I think, and this is why I love food so much because you're breaking bread with somebody and if you're eating a meal with somebody, it's very hard not to become friends with that person. And it all revolves around food. And if you eat the right kind of food, then that friendship can last a lot longer and you can both be a lot healthier.
0: Mike Trap. That's perfect. Love it. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure today. I'm grateful that you're doing what you've been doing for 40 plus years and that you're sharing it with the world. Just, uh, I'm just grateful for you, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Chris. Been a pleasure. Right. Good to Have see a great you today. Yep. You,
0: you too. too. Bye bye. Who wouldn't agree with the simplicity of Chef Mark's analysis of what we should be expecting of ourselves and of our children? Helping everyone learn how to cook, the life sustaining ability to keep yourself alive in a way that's tasteful while nourishing. You know, getting quality food into the human frame so that our longevity is health span full instead of health span weak. And ultimately, doing it in a way that's fun, family-oriented, and for the best of all of us. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. There's not a whole lot else I need to say. It is just one of those things in life that you just need to spend time with somebody who spends their life doing great things. Like Mark Allison is teaching the world how to live in a way that is gorgeous through the mouth, right? And I love food. I'm a foodie, I enjoy eating everything, and to Mark's point, seasonal, differential, eat the whole variety of things on the outside of the grocery store that provides us with random nourishments that are synergistic in micro and macronutrients. It's what we need, it's what we want. As always, hug those kids, have a great day. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professionals, not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. This podcast does not constitute development of a provider or patient relationship. Have a great day.